0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Everybody, welcome into another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy outside Knoxville, Terry TB Brown up in Louisville, Kentucky, largest city in our state. How's everything with you tonight, TV? The
2: weather is cold, uh, we uh, had some weather delay.
1: Oh, gotta get TB back, just dropped the call, we'll get him back on the line. We got a jam-packed show. We'll get TV back on here in just a minute. Uh, We got Kentucky basketball rolling right along. Got a big one this Saturday. Kansas Jayhawks coming into town. Of course, we're going to look back at Mississippi State. Going to look back at the Auburn game. Uh, We got two great guests coming up at 630. We'll find out about those gentlemen and the show that they do and the Kentucky Things They talk. We got Championship Sunday to look back on. We got guys that may have some drama hits with a couple of TB's professional franchises we might have to talk about. So, tons of stuff. If y'all want to jump in with us, the number to call is 845 277 9373. Hit us at Twitter at Cats Talk Wednesday, Facebook page Cats Talk Wednesday. Send us a tweet, give us a comment. We got them want to put something in the message, inboxes on the message, whatever you want to do, we'll be here for two fun hours. And, TB, you were talking about how chilly it was before we lost your signal, right? You're getting a little, maybe weather
2: up there. I hit my dump button before I started talking. Uh, yeah, it's chilly. Uh, we've had some snow, some ice, that kind of stuff roll, roll, roll through. Uh, but that just means that uh, basketball season is heating up. And like you talked about, the Cats, they're 5-1 in their last six. They took care of Mississippi State last night. A top 25 team by 21 uh, and didn't play uh, particularly – they didn't play great for 40 minutes, so there's still room to improve. So – and I tweeted this out after the game last night. If you are surprised that Cal has his team playing better as the season progresses, now that people have defined roles. If you're surprised by that, are you surprised when the sun comes up in the morning? Are you surprised when December twenty fifth is Christmas? Are you surprised that water is wet? Like at at some point you have to stop being surprised. What we have seen is defensively last night held in Mississippi State fifty five points. Uh you know, Auburn had that offensive explosion, but uh what they did against Georgia in the second half, 18 points for Georgia, limited Vanderbilt to the sec- in the second half to 17 points. The Cats are getting it done on the defensive end. So, for my money, we're seeing a progression of defense leading to offense. You know, they, they had the halftime lead last night, it got down a little bit, and then they were able to stretch that lead up which I think is a great sign for the team. The last few wins, they've been pressured by the opposing teams, but they have weathered that storm, whether it was Auburn, uh, whether it was Mississippi State for a while there in the second half, you know, at Louisville on the road against North Carolina. Getting the lead, taking the team's best other team's best shot, not giving up the lead. You know, you and I talk about putting that game pressure on people you know, against North Carolina, against Louisville, able to keep that lead, uh, eight nine points in the second half on the way to those wins. Against Auburn, when Auburn had that furious comeback, uh, not letting Auburn take the lead. Because you and I have seen, you know, we've seen enough basketball, a team makes that comeback, and then once they get that lead, it's like a mental thing. But the Cats kept Auburn at bay long enough uh to secure that victory. So Again, I am encouraged by what I'm seeing on the, on the hardwood. And you, and you have to be. Tyler Hero is, is, is scoring efficiently well. Uh, P.J. Washington is looking good and versatile, is looking all SEC. You know, uh, he may not play his way into being all American, but certainly all SEC type performer. Uh, so, and Hagen's Ashton Hagen. I don't know what else you can say about him. He's the the stir, the, uh, the straw that stirs the drink. He is the motor that gets the Cats going offensively and defensively. He had nine assists last night. Uh, his sixth straight game, I think, with three steals. He is just being disruptive on both ends of the court. And like you and I talked about last week, and like everybody knows, it can't be a surprise. When Cal gets his lead guard going, good things happen. And I can check. I can cite chapter and verse from John Wall to Shea Gilgis-Alexander on when the lead guard gets going and the pieces start falling into place, that's when Cal gets dangerous. Uh, A lot of folks are saying, you know, maybe there'll be a a two seed. I think if they can split with the volunteers, they could be on that one seed line. So I don't think that they can – It's totally inconceivable that they're kind of out of that discussion for the one seed. There's a lot of basketball left. A lot of uh, things can happen between now and then. Other teams are going to be, you know, they've got tough games as well. They're going to get some losses. I think if Kentucky is able to take care of Kansas this weekend, uh, you can start talking about that that one seed. And I know that's not a give me. (laughs) You know, that's not a give me uh, being a one seed. Virginia has shown us that. But if Kentucky is a one seed, that puts them square right here in Louisville for the regional final. And I don't know too many teams in the country that would want to play Kentucky at the um, center with a chance to go to the uh, final four on the line. I I, I think that would be a tough order. So I'm encouraged over this five-and-one stretch that that we've seen uh, the Cats you can't count them out of the SEC race. You know, history, the last 80 years has said, you know, when it comes to SEC, the the title goes through Lexington. And I don't care who the coach is, who the players are. You have to go and beat the team in Lexington if you're going to compete uh, for the SEC championship. And this year isn't any different.
1: That's for sure. And, well, to your point, there's three out of the last four teams of the last four games, they have held the opponent to 55 or less. You know, the 47 to Vanderbilt, 49 to Georgia. They are dynamite teams, but to still be able to lock them down like that. Uh, do it on the road at Georgia. Uh, then, like you mentioned, top 25 ranks. Mississippi State team coming in, you hold them to 55 points. Um and, of course, you're not going to hold Auburn down. You know, they're very explosive, and they hit a lot of threes, and I think the Brown kid got hot in the second half. And they, uh, I think they got the lead at the very end on one, uh, just for a brief second, and then Hero went down and, hit throws and put them back up. And the thing you're, about you're it, right. they, they held them at bay because Auburn was coming. Auburn was, I mean, they kept making run after run after run. But Kentucky had to an answer every single time. You know, hero for three, hero with the mid-range jumper. Um, I think quickly hit a shot. You know, we got Reed Travis on the dunk. Whatever, you know, every charge Auburn made, and the roof was just ready to blow off of that Auburn arena, uh, Kentucky was able to hold them at bay. And after Auburn got the lead, Tyler Hero comes down and drives to his right down the baseline and finishes with the left hand. Now, the foul occurred before the shot, but he drove and made that shot with the left hand that would have, you know, been an M1 in the NBA. And then, of course, you know, you take those points off the board, and then he calmly goes to the line uh, and thinks the two free throws. So that was, you know, extremely clutch. Um, the kid for Auburn had a good look. It, it was halfway down and came out on this drive off the glass. Uh, the Kentucky was able to go down there and not give up the lead in those, you know, final five, four, three minutes, and then not lose their toys when Auburn did finally get over that hump.
2: You didn't break Kentucky back. Uh, you, you're right. I, I did. Uh, I misspoke about that. I forgot that Auburn did take the lead for a moment, but uh, but my point still stands that. The, these guys, this team, they're very resilient. And a lot of people making uh, the point of you know being up 15 and Auburn came back. We only won by two. Auburn's a great team at home. And you can't really say a whole lot about the deep. Auburn gets up and down the court. And the one thing I like about this team is we have been able to play a myriad of different ways this season. You know, we talked about the Seton Hall game. I was concerned in the first half about that because, and I think I tweeted out and might have texted you, that game reminded me of an old-school Big East where it's just a grinded-out, physical, every cutter gets an elbow, just a grinded-out kind of ugly, rock-fest game that didn't really pick up until the second half offensively. And, you know, we were right there in that one. Uh, We played games in the 50s we played games in the 80s. That's a mark of a good team is it doesn't matter the pace of play your opponent is playing, still being able to really control the flow of the game. And the reason we're able to do that is because Ashton Higgins is playing so well and quickly has come into his own, you know, quickly, (laughs) Uh, and being able to maintain, uh, especially on the defensive end. Uh, We talked about this with, Ashton Hagins, it's not solely the steals that he gets. It's the way he makes the other team have to start their offense where they're not comfortable. You know, he takes teams out of their comfort zone because they can't do what they want to do. So for, for my money, these kinds of games are the games you've got to win in March if you're going to be successful. Can you play uh, uh, and, and, and do well against a team that's playing uh, at a different pace than you like, yeah. Can you offset a guy that's that's that, that's real hot? Uh, there are different things that you want to look at. I mean, keep in mind, you know, we're 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 fourteen and three. Is it fourteen and three on the season? You know, but two of those losses, yeah. heroes last second buzzer uh, goes in if if uh, if Keldon hits the three against uh, Seton Hall, I know you can't talk about ifs and buts and close misses. But really, it's razor thin between three losses and one loss. Honestly, you know, and not too many teams can say this, outside of the Duke game, we've had a chance to win every single game. I know we haven't, and I'm not trying to, to color it, but my concern after the Duke game was that's the kind of loss that can derail a season. You know, that's the kind of demoralizing loss that, wow, can really wreck your plans, especially how good we were feeling going into the season. And I think there was a little bit of a hangover right after that. But that's why I focused on the North Carolina game. I said, you know, that's a marquee game. How they play in that game, I think will determine what we can do the rest of the year. And they came ready to play all eyes on them. You know, North Carolina, Kentucky, everybody's watching and they played well. You know, all eyes on the Louisville game. I have no doubt, I believe we'll win on Saturday, but I have no doubt they're going to be ready to play. That's a marquee game. These guys have a lot to prove, and I think what Cal is doing is not letting that Duke loss hang over the team, but letting it serve as a reminder, hey, we got to take care of business because we don't want that to happen again. So uh, I'm encouraged by what I seen. I really am. I don't mean to, to rant too much about it, but uh, everything's coming together. Everybody's got a role. Uh, and, and and Roger Harden, who we had on the show last week, talked about it. If you can go to a Nick Richards and an EJ Montgomery and Emmanuel quickly off the bench, you know, and I think that's, you know, we're going to that eight-man rotation. You know, Kyle likes seven, to eight guys off, you know, to play. Uh if you can go to that quality guys off the bench, wow. Wow. You know, EJ showing his stroke last night. Nick is becoming that rim protector that we've been looking for since Willie cauley Stein and and uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns left. So if you can bring those guys off the bench for valuable minutes, wow. I mean, that really changes what you can do. So if you're a Kentucky fan, which I am, obviously – you have to feel encouraged. You know, this is a big game on Saturday. Uh, you know, all eyes there on the Commonwealth, uh, you know, on Saturday, but I think they're ready. And, and, you know, I think we were all concerned after that Duke game, but everything I've seen since then is pointing in the right direction. The team is trending up. You know, if you're buying Kentucky stock, now's the time to buy it.
1: Absolutely. And, uh um... Definitely going to be a fun time come Saturday evening, 6 o'clock. Uh, game day is going to be there. The Jayhawks are coming to town. Uh, so definitely have to talk about them and, and get into it as well. Um, about five or six minutes from now, too, we talked about two great guests coming on. They'll be on with the 630. Uh, we got Coach Buford Green and Coach Chuck Bernard. They make up the Big Things Kentucky YouTube show we going to talk with them. They got their eye on everything. Man, they talk recruiting. They talk high school. That's the two things we don't get into a whole lot. Got their eye on all things Kentucky. They talk NFL, NBA, just like we do. Uh, so we get to talk with those guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Been looking forward to it. And, you know, they're promoting Kentucky. We had a lot of uh, Kentucky shows. You know, kind of people like us doing shows and podcasts on before. Okay, my sports guys. Kentucky Taste Buds, big things. Kentucky, these guys are doing the same thing. So 6.30, y'all stay tuned. They'll be hopping on with us. Uh, We'll have a lot of fun. The show was brought to you, as always, by Smoky Mountain Trader, uh, 5063 West Andrew Johnson Highway, down here in my neck of the woods, right here in Morristown, Tennessee, 423-587-1700. Classified ads, advertising ads, graphic design, they can take care of all of those needs. Lynn Earls is the main man there. He believes blue. He's from Middlesboro, hopping the jump from where I'm from. Give him a call. Like I mentioned, 423-587-1700 is the number. Um, the SmokyMountainTrader.com, the, the Smoky Mountain Trader is the number one reader, as far as classified ads are concerned, in the tri-state area, that being Tennessee, Virginia, and Kentucky. Uh, you want to buy or sell cars, trucks, appliances, homes, anything of that nature? You can list them on there. Uh, they're the number one red shopper in the tri-state area: 12 counties in Tennessee, Lee County, Virginia, Bell County, Kentucky. Smoky Mountain Trader, S M K Y N T N Trader on Facebook. Same thing on Twitter. Definitely give them a ring. Go in there and holler at them, or get with them online or on social media. That they can take care of all you need. To mention, we got the uh, big thing, Kentucky guys, coming up. In just a couple of minutes, we got to talk about Kansas for a little bit. You know, the big game. It's going to be one of the games of the weekend. Game Day has selected Lexington as the destination to start their Saturday morning with. So, uh, the Big Blue Nation is getting hype and anticipation, anticipation is building. We'll take us just a quick little break, catch our breath. We'll be back on the other side with. The big things Kentucky guys, the big things Kentucky YouTube, Coach Bue and Coach Truck will be on with us, and it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about all kinds of topics. So y'all don't want to miss it. Stay right with us. We will be right back. Yeah, you can't by happiness. I mean, that
0: made me happy for a little while. <laughs> but once you fall in love, it's a <laughs> now that I've found that... World seems a lot better. Cause I can't give nothing. Ooh.
1: Welcome back, welcome back, Catch Talk Wednesday, Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com, Off and running on another fun show, talking Kentucky beating down Mississippi State, looking ahead to Kansas coming in, and now, as mentioned, we got our two guests on the line. They come together to form the Big Things Kentucky on YouTube show, talking about Buford Green and Truck Bernard, Coach View, Coach Truck. Welcome to the show. How y'all doing this evening? What's going on, man? Can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah, we got you. How y'all doing? All right,
3: right, man. man. What's
4: going
1: on, Jim? How
4: y'all doing, man? Big fans of the show, man. Appreciate y'all having us on.
1: Hey, appreciate y'all being willing to do it. Definitely. Uh, Cross paths on Twitter a few months ago. uh, Started following each other, Uh, you know, Watched a few of the shows. Think y'all, y'all are, what, 45, 46 episodes in right now, something like that?
3: we working on 46 right now. Okay. Now, hold up. Okay. Before we move on, name, name
4: me a, number, a famous number 46. We had this discussion the other day when we were shooting. We try to find famous 46. They didn't like the two I gave. I gave Andy Pettit and Ty Christian from the Raiders. They got mad at me.
2: Number forty-six. Oh, that's an that's a, that's an odd one. Yeah, that's an odd number.
1: It is an <laughs> ugly number. That's an ugly number. <laughs> what what was Jim Brown at Syracuse and and oh um and the other guy, the other great back from Syracuse? That was forty-four. Leroy Leroy. He was forty-four. Yeah, they're, they're,
3: I think that's like a big number. You know, they give it to a bunch of cats. If you're good, I think you get 44. I believe it was 44. Yeah, 44, that's correct, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Ernie, Ernie Davis, is that
3: right? Yeah. Yeah, that's and, uh, what cool I believe was it. It The one they made the movie about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they had that movie about mm-hmm. it, absolutely.
2: And he died, yeah. Or
3: something yeah. like that, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, Ernie
0: was so man? So. Oh. Hey, I, I got, got a
1: question got to... for you. Man. You know,
3: y'all are big UK fans, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, how y'all felt about uh, Dick Vitale calling the game? Man, I know there's a lot of UK people don't like Vitale calling the UK game.
2: Well, uh, here, 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 good, here's pretty. my thing on, on, on Dick go Vitale. Ahead, I mean, he's going to do his thing. Now we had him on A couple of years ago I think at this point Number one yeah. I don't think anybody loves college basketball More than Dick Vitale Number yeah. two What he does off the court is amazing With cancer for kids and everything like that My mm-hmm. thing is Dick Vitale he, He's been doing it for so long He's kind of become a character of himself And I don't mean that negatively mm-hmm. I think instead of, you know, calling the game, it's kind of like Dick Vitale doing a Dick Vitale. And for people of a certain age, you remember John Madden, you know, he had that sweet spot with the booms and the pals, and then it went kind of overboard, you know, kind of toward the end. I think that's where uh, Dick Vitale is. So I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But I've got no problem, you know, watching him or listening to him do his thing. He doesn't bother me at all. Oh, okay. I think a lot yeah, of Kentucky
1: I fans. I think, right. I think a lot of Kentucky fans too. Probably irritated because he kind of sticking to his guns in defending Rick Pitino and and kind of still got his back on Twitter and and stuff like that. And I think that might rub Kentucky fans the wrong way too, especially with all the Louisville scandal that was happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. All
0: right,
3: I
1: like, I was I just kind of get- like, man,
3: you know.
4: But,
1: all right. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to get some background on the two of you guys. You guys coach, the big and tall perspective. I know we got somebody from Ocala, Florida. We got one from Lexington. Just tell us a little bit about the background and then the idea behind Big Things Kentucky on YouTube. Well, man, I start off first, man. It's
4: Coach View, man. Uh, uh, I'm born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh prior graduate of the High School went to Kentucky State. That's where I met Coach Truck at man. Uh he's actually the godfather of my kids and I'm the godfather of his kids. Just came close, man. And uh I, I coach you football. I've been doing it for about uh that I man, about fifteen years. Go MLK Ducks here at Winburn Park. Uh I am a true Laker fan. I am a Carolina fan, I'm sorry. And to let Coach Truck know where you started. Kentucky, Lexington is the horse capital of the world. Is not Ocala. So if he says that, he's lying. <laughs> Lexington is the horse capital of the world. Go ahead. Yeah, we okay. got, right, we got
1: so, much. So, so much in there. Go ahead, Coach. Go ahead, Coach. Man, man,
3: really, man, you know, I'm just you know, born, born in Ocala, Florida. You know, I was a military kid, man. Uh, traveled all over the place. I ended up coming here to play football at Kentucky State. That's where, like he said, we met, and, you know, we just, we've been clicking ever since, man. He kind of like my brother from another mother. Uh, they took me in, you know, and uh, Lexington's been good to me, even though they like to the perpetrate a fraud as the horse captain of the world. You know what I'm saying? But it's per capita horses, the acres and everything. Ocala leads the way. We know that. But, anyway, that's something between me and him. You know, uh, I don't. I, I'm not, you know, he likes to claim North Carolina, you know what I'm saying, but uh, yeah, I ain't got time for all that, man. You know, I'm I'm a loyal to the win. It's my motto. Go if we
1: win and we ride. <laughs> it's it's so much in those answers because I did watch the show uh, a couple episodes back and I did see Coach Bue having to wear I think an old school Tashawn Prince jersey after. I was mistakenly thinking his Tar Heels was going to win, and he had to pay that bet. Um, I know somebody is a Lakers fan, so we all make mistakes there. I know somebody is a Cowboys fan, too, so great minds thinking alike. So, let's – how how we sort
3: yes, that out? Hey, that. hey I, I'm going to tell you like this, man. It hurt me to see us lose to the Rams because I picked us to win. I, we didn't show up, man. We didn't show up like we played the week before. I don't know what happened. Um, you know, it just, it didn't work out for us. But, like I said on the last show, God closes the door, he opens the window, so now I'm riding with the Rams, and we finna win the Super Bowl.
4: Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, gentlemen, before <laughs> we begin on. First off, let me start by saying this. Vinny, you waste your time. He is not a Cowboy fan. When I met this guy in 1996, 95, he was a dollar Rams fan. So don't listen to that foolishness oh, he's talking. He's crazy. not a Cowboy oh, fan, man. The Cowboys ain't won nothing so long I can not remember. So I know. you know I, I got it. it. I got to
1: open it. <laughs> 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 and who's the Lakers fan? Because they can be I, with and you, and you. I'm
4: a you know. I am. I am. I am a way before LeBron James was born. Lakers fan. I'm only 42, but I've been a Lakers fan since. Since Urban Magic Johnson, the greatest player ever played. I am a true – I've been through the Nick Van Epson years, oh, Eddie Jones, Dale Harris. I, I've been through
3: all that. I'm a diehard little fan, <laughs> even
4: before the King got oh, there.
3: God. Oh, Lord have mercy. Now, this is my thing, though. Hold on. This, this is my thing with him, though. You know, all last year, he was like, oh, we're going to get LeBron. We're going to get LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like I told him, man, if you get LeBron, you get LeBron fans. I'm a fan of LeBron. So now I'm a Lakers fan. But he's like, no, you ain't no true Lakers fan. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) If you get LeBron, you get his fans. We come with the man. You know what I'm saying?
2: (laughs) Let me just say this. I'm a diehard Lakers fan myself. I go back to the... Thank you, TV. Thank
3: you, TV. I know I like you.
2: But my daughter, my, my youngest daughter is a LeBron fan. So... Uh, she's got LeBron, Cavaliers stuff, all this kind of stuff. So, of course, he becomes a Laker. And I got her a uh, LeBron shirt for Christmas. And I said, oh, sweetie, you going to be a Lakers fan? She said, no, daddy, I'm a LeBron fan. And I said, oh, you know, new kids, oh, my uh-huh. new kids do things different. They do things a little bit different.
1: But uh, <laughs> I understand <laughs> where you coming from. Well, I'm going to say this mm-hmm. real
2: quickly. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: you know, as a parent, you do your best you can. I got a child I can hold too. He's seventeen. You know, I raised him right. I thought, but he's a LeBron fan. He got heat jerseys. He got Miami jerseys. Man, you can around the jerseys because he's gonna be on every <laughs> team for his whole week. He's a mercenary. That's he's right. all for the win. Like somebody else, I know. <laughs>
0: hey,
1: I just I just cheated and looked it up, and one forty six that we forgot. And we all watched this dude as a kid. And we can touch on the Baseball Hall of Fame here a little bit. This guy should have been in a long time ago because he set the standard before Mariano came along. Big Lee Smith with the Cubs wore number 46. Jerry Curl and wow, was number 46. Hey, he's a pitcher for uh, Chicago Cubs or was a relief pitcher. Yeah, That's right. he had the most slaves when he retired He had the all-time leading slave leader When he retired
3: yes. because... Yep and I remember Smith. To... Yes, sir. yes yeah. sir,
4: I forgot he all I That's, That's, That's a good one
1: He might be the leader in the clubhouse For 46 Unless, you know, unless somebody make a rally It <laughs> ain't too many 46 <laughs> in <minutes>. the clubhouse <laughs> <laughs> It so sure is it. so sure is it. Now, you guys, like I mentioned too earlier, you, you I mean, y'all love sports just like us. And, and what, well, look, before I get into that, before I get into some high, high school and recruiting, because you guys keep up with that more than we do, the big and tall perspective y'all met at Kentucky State, who's the biggest and who's the tallest? And were y'all both O-linemen, both D-linemen, or were y'all lined up across the ball from each other going at it and practice high <laughs> How did
4: it really go? Well, I, ain't gonna lie. I went down to K State. Coach truck did play. He was off the lineman. Coach truck was made way bigger than he is now. But the <laughs> Kentucky boys put it on and put him in early retirement. <laughs> now I ain't gonna lie. My
3: wife made me listen. I
4: went to K State and I did everything I was I did everything I was supposed to do. So I never did actually play, but I I'm I a thoroughbred at heart though. Okay, that you know it it
1: hey, you know. You know, <laughs> what
3: you did. You know, hey, everybody can. Hey, it was a lot to can. get into back when we was going to K State. Yeah. Yes sir.
0: Yes sir.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, we just got oh,
1: into that. Right. There you go. There you go. Now moving right along to what I was going to ask y'all. Before I ask you that, high school and recruiting. What do you What do you focus on more when it comes to the high school sports throughout the state? You focus more on Lexington or the entire state? Is it is it just Bryan Station? Is it DRC? Is it the whole area? How do y'all kind of, what's y'all thing when it comes to high school sports? I mean, it started off as just kind of
3: like a city thing, but then one of our friends who came on, his son played at GRC.
4: Well, let's give him his name for he Say we forgot uh, Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. we, we shout out to Justin Tall. And, and Tanner Brown. And Tanner Brown, part of our Big Things crew. We let the four, the four horsemen shout to them. But, yeah, like you okay. said, Justin, he's going to be GRC, real good little linebacker. He's a junior. He got another year uh, next year, Quake Lewis. Uh, and then we we covered Mass Central because you know they was hot at the times. So we got to meet them and they love their coach, they love their facilities. Mass Central's definitely upcoming team. So we and they to
3: cover play them. All yeah they play
4: all the at schools. Yep.
3: So that's kind of okay. how we started, and basically it's like like my son graduated from Bryan Station. My daughter goes there. Like I said, Buford played at Bryan Station. So and I uh, uh, got a son at LCA. I got to give him a
4: shot to senior at LCA. My son played football there. Andre, so we just had a couple, them, man. But I like it was a boy there, so we got into it.
3: I mean, we, we had been coaching, like, you know, we both started off in youth sports. We coached youth football forever. Like you said, probably good about 18 years, you know, 16 to 18 years we've been coaching youth sports. So most of the kids is playing football now in high school, we've either coached them or coached against them, and we've seen them all grow up. So, you know, our thing was, you know, we want to help these kids, you know, get exposure. And just, we always at the games and we always cover them and we're always arguing about it. So that's kind of where the show kind of grew and took on life from its own. Like you said, it was a void there and
1: we just jumped into it, man. That's all right. That's all right. And Justin is behind the camera with the graphics and the production and all that while well, you guys are on, right? Well Coach Truck,
4: Justin does a lot of producing, Lives like ideas and roll with us. He kinda of keeps us aligned, uh, when we get out of line sometimes get off off target. Coach Truck really sets up the computer and does a lot of stuff you see, you know, and I and I admit he does all this man while on Dallas on three days a week, so he pushes through, you know, uh uh the coach T he, D he, he's been there with us from the beginning, you know what I'm saying, one of the folk, first people to jump on board and roll with us, so you know, he does the camera stuff. He fuzzs out other stuff. We need to do better. The show was terrible. Let's do better next week. So, man, we got chicken-matter <laughs> sisters with all of us. It's a big help.
3: They definitely are. And then somebody, <laughs> we ain't going to say their name, is not diva We got a diva too.
4: Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, fellas. Hey, it's beyond me right here. I'm going to wait right I don't know what's going on, here. See, I gave the man credit.
3: You're going to tear me down? I gave the man credit. You're tearing me down. Y'all hiring um, over. I didn't take
1: the game. <laughs> Hey And speaking of all the stuff you do, the, the uh, add nothing to y'all's picture. Y'all merged our picture with y'all's picture and put in the, the big thing Kentucky YouTube group. I shared it. <laughs> Hey, that was that was neat, man. appreciate that, how
3: y'all, y'all photoshopped us oh, in there with you y'all. It, man. Well, thank you, man. I just, you know, like to play around with it a little bit. I'm not by far an expert or anything. I just, you know... Hey,
4: TB, Benny, please. I, his head's already better to go fit through this room when we leave out there. So don't don't give him too much more credit. I don't enough. Leave, leave him alone. Don't <laughs> give him too much more credit. <laughs> that's it.
1: That's it. Oh, and y'all have had some cool guests on the show, too. Y'all have – I know former cat, Aaron Boyd was on there a few weeks ago. Um, y'all just kind of reach out. And, and who's your guest tomorrow? Who you, I know y'all say you're working on tomorrow's show. Um, yeah, we got a
3: recruiting consultant and trainer out of Louisville, a guy named Carlos Collins. He's kind of one – I think between him and uh, – I know you heard of Chris Bond. They're kind of like the two – I guess, gurus of the high school trainers in Louisville. And so uh, he came on and talked about a lot of stuff, and he gave us a lot of good information because we done started our recruiting, you know, seminar, I guess, special, where we, you know, we have a lot of people ask us about camps and, you know, a lot of information. And, you know, we feel like the Lexington kids, we have a lot of kids here that's not really signing or going anywhere So we want to do the best we can to help get these kids, you know, somewhere and get them exposure and help them get out of this, you know, and and go on to college. That's
1: good stuff, good stuff as far as putting the Kentucky kids on the map. Um, And it's starting to be more and more, especially on the football side, it kind of, you you have a good year and then it won't be, but it's starting to kind of, Pick up more consistently every year, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's definitely growing, man. The state, you know, of course, you know, the
4: smaller schools and you know, in the counties where football is it's more in on it. You know what I'm saying? And they they really push it. I think you know, Louisville is, of course, to me, the the uh, the mecca right now uh, when it comes to football. And so we definitely try to close the gap for the city of Lexington. So it's great to see the state continue to grow. And uh, get better, good to see, you know, our kids getting out, getting recruited, and getting seen. We just want to keep pushing the envelope and try to tell kids they can do it, you know what I'm saying? You can go from, you know, so small school and nobody ever heard of in Kentucky and, and and get a chance to play big, big Division I football, get out here and get your name seen and stuff. So it's just trying to motivate the kids and give them some of the tools, man, we didn't have when I came out of high school, trying to give them to our kids, you know?
1: Definitely, definitely. So, uh... Every Thursday is when y'all shoot
4: new episodes. Is that when they, and then y'all yes, release it on Thursday Thursdays too? Or? Yeah, we release it every Thursday. Coach uh, usually has it out by Thursday morning. So, you know, uh, we try to get it out. We usually film it, it, it since early in the week, try to get it out, try to get as much information as we can in it, get it out on Thursdays. Yes, Thursday morning, use this out. All right, that's good stuff. And y'all, y'all doing, y'all doing good stuff, man.
1: It's a fun fun watch and fun listen, even if y'all do quote-unquote get off track on topic and then maybe have to get put back in line by, you know, other members of the crew. I can't tell. It it was a good show when I watched. Y'all go back and forth. Uh, You can tell, you all the friendship is there, but y'all also hit on the sports that you want to hit on and give love to all the kids uh, in the area that you want to give exposure to as well, so Y'all kind of touch on all the bases nicely. And you get kind of short and sweet, too. Every show, 25, 30 minutes, y'all kind of do a half hour thing,
4: right? Or... Yeah, we try to get it. Man, you know, it is trying to keep people's attention for a certain amount of time. So we do tend to tap <laughs> both heads over time, try to keep it at least, you know, under 20, by 20 minutes to under 20 minutes. So we try to make sure we keep it as many views as we can. You know of course uh our, our football shows do a, a have been remarkable numbers which we're proud of, and so it's just trying to just keep everybody's focus of attention you know you got high school basketball, which is big right now, so're trying to keep high school basketball going and uh which is which has been interesting' There's a lot of talent in the states it's trying to keep out on that as
3: well
1: so when people go on YouTube, what do they need to type in to subscribe?
3: Big Things Kentucky. Just type in Big Things Kentucky. It'll take you to our page. You just go on and subscribe, man. We caught up with uh, one, of our, one of my favorite interviews we had this year was Dante Allen before he got hurt. The U.K. Uh, commit. He was fun, man. And yeah, y'all, saying, yeah, yeah, made, y'all may he, agree,
1: y'all may disagree. And yep. Absolutely. For sure, y'all may agree or disagree, but I, you know, hate to see and hear that his senior year uh, was going to be ended early due to the injury. But the start yeah. he got off to, you know, dropping 50 on everybody, a uh, couple 20 rebound games, to me, it was like his mindset was, i have committed to Kentucky. I'm an in-state kid. I've already got my recruiting over with. To me, it was like he was on a mission to make a statement to everybody in the state that I am good enough to be worthy of being committed to Kentucky uh, because you know, there's nothing fluky about my commitment. I shot up the ranks as a junior, but let me let you know it's this senior year that it's not going to be some kind of drop-off. And I think he was also letting everybody know that it was playing against him, that's going to try to come at him, that he was ready. That's that's kind of the vibe I was getting from him before he got hurt.
4: And I'm tell you what, we went to watch him in the Clark County game. get another good kid, keep out of uh, Jordan Graham. But I'm tell you what, the kid, they booed him the whole game. They called him overrated the whole game. And I'm going to tell you, as soon as that game in, those same kids sitting there with him taking pictures and getting autographs. So, the young man is definitely – I love the coach, considering he's probably – like his dad. his stepdad said, when they was down some tournament, they sold the gym out just to be there to see him play, kids, people did. So, I mean, he, he was selling – he had gyms packed. I mean, we had at GRC game, the gym was packed to the, uh, to the brim. And everybody's there to see Dante Allen. Great kid, great composure, Man, we enjoy that interview, definitely.
3: And I agree with what you yeah. said about his mentality because even, like, you know, some of our friends and people we know, you know, they, they doubt him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, he ain't playing against nobody. He's scoring 50. You know what I'm saying? But the kid is the truth, man. And he's so smooth that I've noticed with a lot of the great high school players, you see him play and you kind of lead the game like, eh, but then you look at the stat sheet and it's like, he has 40 points and 20 rebounds. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh,
1: definitely looking forward to, you know, rehabbing and coming on into Kentucky and still probably having to surprise some people and, and make people have to be like, Oh, Oh, okay. But, uh, I wish him all the best in his recovery and everything, too. got to ask you all this. From as far as a talent standpoint throughout the city of Lexington. I mean, the, the new Frederick Douglass School has been up for a few years now and, you know, playing games and, and getting teams and all that. Has that kind of shifted the talent in the city a little bit? You know, maybe weaken the talent in one school or, you know, how's that going? How's that dynamic? You have no idea what well, is a touchy subject
3: around here, man. People have all kinds of allegations, you know what I mean? And you know how it goes. When you open a brand-new school, you know, it's a shiny new object. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everything they have is the state-of-the-art. You know, the coach came from UK. You know, I mean, hey, they are doing things right now. I will say this real quick too. Uh they they they've uh like coach said
4: there's al made and stuff, but I'm saying they they make everybody else want to step their game up. You know what I'm yes, saying? They have raised the bar for lectures in football. But but I like I feel like other schools have had some success during that time and kinda of got overlooked. But, you know, like coach said, they the shiny new toy and everybody wants to be there. And I ain't lying they're going out here if a coach shows up if, if Dabo Dabble Sweeney's there tomorrow, they're gonna post a picture of Dabble on the Facebook, on the Instagram, yeah, right. Twitter. If, if you know whoever shows up, they're gonna they're gonna sell that program. Is it, is and that's what you gotta do. Like we do the youth football, gotta sell your program to get kids interested. So they're they're salesmen, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're talking with Coach Bue and Coach Truck. It's a big Thing Kentucky YouTube show. Uh, go and subscribe, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. I knew that y'all would be the ones to ask that question too. You know, I'm don't keep up with high school as closely as y'all, and now living out of the state makes it even a little more difficult. So I knew, hey, y'all are the ones to ask. Because <laughs> y'all have your fingers <laughs> on the pulse of the city. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no. And we're trying to figure out who's going to be the next, uh, the great crossing coach in Scott County. But they're keeping that one under wraps, boy. It's tight.
1: And football?
4: Yeah, yeah. That's the new high school in in, uh, Georgetown that they, you know, so it's it's a big uproar because they fought for the school to be built. Now it's built. And they worry about whether it's going to divide the town in Scott County. They've been a the powerhouse for years because of the one high school you got three or four middle schools feeding in one high school. So now they got to share the talent. I remember this back when uh when Raul came in and had to split Boone up. That that, that took Boone down a couple of lots. So it'd be interesting to see how it happens as far as they divide the talent up. Yeah, yeah. And
1: same thing in basketball too. We're always in the three sixteen. And- Contending for yeah. you know the state championship with with uh with Coach Hicks, we've been there forever. Yeah,
4: yeah. yes sir, yeah.
3: It's Scott County, that's a yeah. big
1: dog on the block without me, Parks. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. I got I got to switch it up real quick because you know TB and I were talking a ton of sports and they sometimes work in music, work into food. Um, yesterday I saw the tweet that it was. National Southern Food Day or something like that. and Oh, um, man. i you know, like, no, "Don't get on you about give, that, man. <laughs> give give an unpopular opinion about, you know, Southern food that we grew up eating or whether we like it or whether we don't. she get your thoughts as well. But but for me personally, sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie, I, I, I don't care for it. Y'all can have it. I know a lot, everybody loves it. I don't know if it's that texture or what, but as far as southern food that everybody loves, I I can't fool with that, you know. So that's that's kind of my unpopular thing. I don't care for as far as food in the south. So where where's everybody else at?
4: Well, I'll, I'll jump in. I ain't gonna lie. I I Vinny, everything you said, I definitely agree with. I'm gonna throw one more at you. I ain't eating nobody's chilling, I ain't doing it. Can't do it, I, won't do it. it. song, <laughs> with whatever. I don't want it. So, yeah. hey, I can't do it. Now, I I
3: don't go with him you? on the chitlin', but man, I I don't know, man. The sweet potato thing, I ain't gonna lie. I, I saw the I saw the tweet. And I started, I kind of looked at you sideways. I was like, man, I don't know about this
0: dude.
3: <laughs> and, and then your boy, Terry, with the fancy socks and the bow ties, you know, you always got to kind of keep your eye on the dude with the fancy socks and the bow ties, because that's the dude you got to be watching. <laughs> hey, Terry, tell him hey, you, you coordinate, man. Tell him for that, you coordinate. The man's got an incredible <laughs> whole socks ball. Well, okay.
2: coordinate. Hey that's <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, 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 uh, that my girls my my girls got me on the bow ties and, and the socks they they keep me they keep me covered. what started as a small little thing is now kind of spiraled out of control with my socks. I gotta uh rotate those frequently but but food you know sweet potato pie, I've never been a big fan, just pies in general haven't really been a fan uh but that's oh. about it. Everything else uh that, that southern food i'll 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 get in from time to time, even some chitlins and some hog malls and some pig feet you know mm-hmm. the, the timing has gotta be right. It's not an everyday thing, but the timing has gotta be right uh, for me to get down with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I still
3: don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if you can trust a man that do not eat sweet potato pie though. Uh, you can't trust us, dude. I really get so we I, can't
4: I, trust you. I, was, I,
1: <laughs> I, I just have to be shady then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, call me shady. You can
4: have that. Mm-hmm. I'm just a.
1: We, yeah. we straight up crooks then.
4: <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir.
3: Uh, so now I know y'all was talking about the uh the UK game last night, man. How y'all feel about this team this year, man?
2: I I'm feeling good. Like I was saying uh earlier, my concern was that maybe the Duke game and the magnitude of the loss. I mean, I was there in Indianapolis and it was never close from jump. Yeah, to we played it it was never close. So I was saying those are the kind of losses that will derail your season. You guys are coaches. You know that sometimes you can have a loss that just lingers yeah. and your team never gets over it. So my concern yeah. was, okay, as hyped up as we were in this off season and the big matchup with Duke at the beginning of the year, is that 30-point game going to just hang over this team all year? And it hasn't. They played really well. They've won five out of six. Defensively, they're starting to get it done. So, I'm encouraged. And it's not so much that I think, you know, this team is the best team I've ever seen, but I'm looking around college basketball, and there's no real elite team that I'm scared to play. You know, usually there's a team or two, you're like, yeah, if we got to play them, let's play them in the Final Four. But there's no team out there that I'm like, I don't want any part of those guys, even if it's Duke again. So, given all that, I – you know, I I think we could play Duke again. I I, I think it would be a different outcome. Uh, That could be my blue-colored glasses on, but uh, there's no team (laughs) I would be scared to play uh, at this point, uh, to be honest with you. So I'm encouraged, uh, although that being said, there's still a lot of basketball to be played between now and the Final Four, so there's a lot uh, of things to look for between now and then.
3: Yeah, that is true. That is true,
2: man. And, uh, And man, ain't nobody worried about North Carolina either, huh?
3: (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, they, they they winless they oh I mean they this against Kentucky I mean Louisville went to Chapel Hill and put it on I mean good mm. you
4: know what, first of all I would say that I, I like your show I have been listening to you recently I do like your show don't make me take you off my favorite list I will do this on my Carolinas. Dude. <laughs> We we, we, played horrible against, we played horrible against Kentucky, too, but I will tell you this. If that team that showed up last night shows up, rest away, everybody's in trouble. And I can guarantee you this. You can call my personal cell phone after this. We will not lose to Duke by 30 points, and we will beat Duke one out of Ooh. two times. Ooh. Mark it down right now. Ooh. One day,
0: nine, uh,
3: 123 at 7.03. Mark it down. Ooh. Now hold on, y'all. I just want to put this in context. Every year, he's a 49ers fan, so that lets you know what he roots for. Oh, every year end of the season, he gives that same line and says, "Mark it down, blah blah blah." San Francisco is gonna make the playoffs next season. <laughs> well, when the last time San Francisco
4: was in the playoffs? Uh, Excuse me, Jim. I'm not I'm probably not trying to take your show over. Let me tell you this: Y'all gonna mark it down. My nine are back. Jimmy G be healthy. I'm tell you right now, we'll be back next year. We we're gonna go get Antonio Brown because he ain't happy. We're gonna go get Le'Veon Bell because he he ain't happy either, Pittsburgh. That's all. Y'all can take it back. I just want to let y'all know we're gonna make the playoffs. And
3: let him say it. Down. Mark it down. Mark it
1: down. TV, how you feel about Antonio Brown talking to Jerry Rice and your tight end on Twitter? And are y'all y'all really trying to take on that baggage, TV? Yeah.
2: You are a, a, a receiver in the NFL. There's worse people you can talk to than the all-time greatest receiver in the history of the National Football League, Jerry Rice. You know, there you we go. Are, go PG. Just, just, just to remind you, Vinny, this is the 30th anniversary of Super Bowl 23, when Jerry Rice was the MVP, had 11 catches, <sighs> 215 yards, and the touchdown, winning the 2016 victory of the 49ers over the Cincinnati Bengals. Just to throw that out. there, oh, there. I feel with a healthy Jimmy G, you get you get Antonio, you get some other things to fall in line, they can be right back in the playoffs. Now it's pretty few years. Four- I got my over That's right. Now, years since the Forty ers have made the playoffs. But you know, some some franchises have only had three playoff wins in twenty five years. Those are the people mm. that my heart goes out to. If your team mm. only has three <laughs> playoff wins in 30 years, I feel for you because well, I've seen my team win well, the Super Bowl. So, you know, I got a lot to love in my <laughs> I think 49ers can turn things around. How <laughs> well, well, much can hey, hey. I put out
3: there? <laughs> I'm to run that right now, boy. I, got to, I feel the spirit. I feel Emergency team, three no, three and twenty-five
1: uh, years. Three, and oh, oh,
2: twenty-five years. ninety-five. Oh man, unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I apologize. Vinny is a Cowboys fan, so when we finish up with the show, Vinny put in that VHS cassette of the Cowboys <laughs> football <laughs> team. We uh, didn't, didn't have DVDs back then So, so you can slide wow. in and, and relive those Great times Because you know I think Troy Aikman's actually been Calling games longer than he actually played It's been so long oh, wow. So, wow.
3: I'm, through. I'm, wow.
2: through. I'm through I'm
4: through
3: I'm through I'll tell you what man T.B. is a technician yeah. He's just cutting my boys apart He's just First we removed <laughs> everything. He <together>. just, <laughs> <laughs> they get blood all over his hands. Over, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. impressive. We, still
1: the, that's impressive. We, we still got the most recent Super Bowl win, so that's you know, you know y'all to drop. Y'all's drought is a year longer than ours because we're putting Lombardis in the case. So yeah, yeah be, absolutely,
0: absolutely, that would yeah. be. <laughs>
1: well, they all got a
4: lot of dust on them. It's been a long time. since we've been, <laughs> been the one of them this decade.
2: <laughs> and, and let that me is just true. Say, that is true. You know, we're talking about tough losses, I'm still not over the Super Bowl loss. You know, I watched the highlight video of the uh, Ravens and the 49ers, and I forgot that we were down pretty big in that game. Uh, I can't remember the player now had that hundred something yard kickoff return. And the, we were dead in mm-hmm. the water, and I was like, "Man, we are not going to win this." And then we came back to, you know, throwing into the end zone to try to win the game. And I'm yeah. still not over that game. You know, no, I've had other teams. It. You know, i had this, Be glad the lights. Be, be glad the lights went
1: out because y'all's lights was out. Oh, absolutely. That's
2: the lights that Absolutely, The, the, the lights light going the light
1: out made a big Gave us,
4: gave us the energy we need.
2: So, that regroup, you know, I, I was so into the game, I had forgotten that Beyonce was the halftime show. And, like, how do you forget Beyonce? Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten Beyonce, but I am still not yeah. over, you know, being, having a chance, you know, two or three attempts into the end zone to win it and not be able to punch it through. I'm mm-hmm. not over that one at all.
4: No, hey, that was definitely that was a, that was definitely a tough one. I, mean, I ain't gonna lie, that was definitely a tough one. That one, bro, Mar- because like I said he had to stand. He should have went to Randy Moss. He didn't go to Randy Moss, even though Randy Moss was towards the end of his career. I still think Randy could have helped us down there by the end zone. Uh, Absolutely, but I had Cap showed he could play then. So I think we'd be back. But Jim Harbaugh was the was the orchestrator of that, let Jim Harbaugh go and set us back. I think to where we at right now, trying to get back.
2: Well, and and in any sport, you know that window is so small anymore. Unless you're the Patriots, that window of getting in yeah, the, the playoff, Yeah, unless you <laughs> – you know, so I always thought, like, man, three straight, we should be right back, and we see it. You know, it's been a while, but I feel good. I feel good. It's we been a good. long while. We need all that. Yeah. Luck, buddy. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I think we're going to be right back at it.
3: Uh huh. So you want them dudes at the end of every season? You
2: saying we're <laughs> gonna be in the
3: playoffs too every season?
2: No, now Vinny will tell you. Now for a while there, is that what he's saying? Vinny that.
3: every year, he's like, "We're gonna be in the playoffs this year." He uh,
1: he's fairly objective about
2: the Niners. He's he's fairly for, for, realistic. He keeps it yeah, that about them. Because for a while there, we were just kind of wandering in the desert with a front office that didn't know what they were doing. You let Hardball yeah. go. You kind of let the team go. You know, it was like a couple of years after the Super Bowl, there's only two or three guys still on the team from the Super Bowl team. You know, the, you, yeah. you let Frank Gore go. I thought he still had a little bit of life left and, and different things like that. So uh, I'm encouraged now the front office team to know what they're doing. But for a while there, I was not singing the praises of them going back to the playoffs. Not at all. <laughs> also if you remember uh
3: during that time Patrick Willis retired. Uh yeah. yeah. With a dude line getting in trouble
4: again for that uh your uh, uh, boy uh what's called it, he we, we played for the Raiders and got in trouble too. He got in some uh moral trouble uh, Alvin after-
1: Ald- Smith. Yeah. Smith. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I mean we, and- we had a lot of rough fights, you know what I'm saying?
2: Right. will Willis retiring, Navarro Bowman getting hurt. Uh, Justin Smith retiring, Alden Smith getting in trouble. That that crippled the defense because they were elite, you know, for three or four years. And 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 seeing those people leave, that's what happened. So thanks for turning this into a San Francisco Forty Niner show. I can't thank y'all. <laughs> Can't take on nothing. I know y'all
3: don't, get, don't really get a chance to talk about your team in public too often, so we going to let y'all have this little <laughs>
0: moment.
3: I mean, how often do you hear the word San Francisco 49 is brought up in a sports conversation? Uh, yeah. Other than the top of the draft.
4: Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. it.
1: Yes, it's true. You know, it's true. Right now, it's true. I can't, it. I can't deny that.
4: We can't right. take it, Terry. Don't take it. Don't take it. You saw him to oh, hey, You know, we
1: uh, you know, we, we had that little back-and-forth moments. We, we throw a little shade from time to time. You know, it's just it just works its way in here and there a little bit. You know, we kind of do like y'all no. Great like, you know, oh, Yes.
3: Okay, I that. just want to know, man. What's your what's your views on Dak? How you feel about Dak as a quarterback for Dallas Cowboys? Is he your quarterback that's gonna get y'all over the hump, or you think it might be time to look for a better option?
1: I, as far as being uh, a I don't I don't know if he'll ever be that. Um, now we and and look. Everybody's praising Kellen Moore and all the stuff he supposedly did as quarterback coach. I think that was dumb anyway. How are you going to have your quarterback coach be the same age as your quarterback and not even play at the NFL level? He was going to be the backup before he got hurt, and then that's why they ended up getting back in there anyway. I never really understood that. Linehan is gone now. Jason Garrett's going to be calling plays. I just want to see how different they're going to be. You finally got a number one receiver with Cooper. So, I mean, he really had not had a true receiving threat. And you, you saw him kind of do better with Cooper getting in there. I mean, he's going to be solid. I don't know if he's, you know, ever going to be elite. You got the running game to lean on. Defense is good. There's been worse in game managers. I won't say the game manager – I won't say he's, you know, five star. He's just kinda of solid middle of the pack. And depending on what's around him and what's what's happening, you know, if Zeke in the running game's healthy, you got Cooper, you know, you get another another guy to go with Beasley and Cooper. I think he can as far as consistently putting them on his back and doing it himself. I don't know. He's clutches as I'll get out in the fourth quarter, you know. Uh he can he can struggle for three and a half quarters and then do what he needs to do, to, to we saw that happen this season. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's a long answer, but, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's, you know, top five and where he ever will be, but I think he can be adequate to, to good, and, you know, he just depends on how they manage everybody else around him. Did you say adequate? Yeah, he can be he's, – he's proven he can be adequate. Uh, okay. you know, Trick Dilfer gets to rap Trick Differ gets to rap for being, you know, game manager. Uh, you know, lean on the defense and all that. I'm I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying he's kinda of in the middle <laughs> between just being a guy out there and
3: Man, my, my boys get mad run. at me. My boys get mad at me because I feel like I felt like Jerry jumped the gun too early. You know what I'm saying? He had that good year. I felt like if they would have let Tony Romo come back. You know what I'm saying? And that would have been his backup. Because, you know, Romo was going to get hurt anyway. You know what I'm saying? It would have almost been like the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's done.
4: He not it is. But they
3: get me the blues for that. Well, man. have, how many playoff games Tony Romo wins? I'm just telling you how Total Roma to throw him into the playoffs okay. and then we the, just the
4: ain't more no you know game. Total Roma's right where he needs to be at, calling game. He calls a heck of a game, don't he? <laughs> He's a much better announcer than he
3: is the quarterback. This man swears up there for Romo, the Romo's, the second coming of
0: CNN. Uh, I didn't young. say
3: that. I'm just saying I he felt like Jared that. jumped the gun too quick. You know what I'm saying? He got that's caught up in that me. media hype. Man. That's going to be fine. He, he, I don't to watch this man hates that. That's gonna be and they say I'm hating that because I'm saying that. Yeah. They yeah. say I'm, I'm just being uh, truthful. You know
1: yeah, what I but,
2: but, but that, that, I think he you can
1: criticize those too, without hating on him. I think you can, and you know, because I I haven't just went and and sold out and defended. And sometimes he does get some hate that he shouldn't get. But I'm I try to be objective too. I want him to do well, but if you know if he ain't cutting it, I've I've kind of felt that way too. And look, I ain't felt hey. comfortable with nobody since Troy. Troy's the last person we felt comfortable with, you know. <laughs> yeah, we we yeah. don't get the same rap the Browns get. But, you know, Quincy Carter and Drew Bledsoe and, and Drew Henson and Vinny Tessaverde and, you know, Quincy Carter, it's been a bad little run um, until, you, you know, guys on the center that you actually feel comfortable with every single
2: Sunday. We ain't had that in a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. you guys said something spot on about the Cowboys over the last 20 years. Jerry Jones made a snap decision. Yeah, that is when when Ooh. you look back, when Jerry Jones, you know, he sells the team and moves on. And I think I've said this to you before, Vinny. If you're a Cowboys fan, you've got to be sick thinking, why couldn't we have worked it out with Jimmy Johnson? He was coaching, you know he, he was he he was a front office guy. You have to think that if Jimmy's hanging around, you know, four or five more years. There's maybe one more, maybe two more Super Bowls, you know, Super Bowl trophies in the case. But instead, you've got uh, you've got Jimmy, not Jimmy Jones, um, Jerry Jones, uh, making these rash decisions, and and that's kind of why the Cowboys are where they are. He kind of seems to be impeding the process a little bit. I Um, I definitely
3: agree with that. I agree with TV say because look.
4: Look, look at this. Barry Twitter took that team next year and won the Super Bowl. Uh next uh he won the Super Bowl next that following year. Barry had him competing the following, the year after that too. So I think yeah, I I definitely I think that uh Jimmy Johnson got him two out of that run before he left. But that's part of Jerry wanting to have control of everything, you know, so
2: Yeah, and he's the owner, he can do what he wants to do, but you know, there's a consequence of that as well.
3: Yeah, you
1: know? yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you wonder about his his commitment to winning, period. I mean, he's making money hand over fist, and that's not going to change. But the the sometimes the, the commitment to Jason Garrett that has kind of went on too long without even putting him on the hot seat, I mean, prior to this year, you know, and they started this year three and five, and, and you know, Jason Garrett can just kind of Stay as long as he wants and not really – yeah, as far as Cowboys' expectations from a fan standpoint, you know, Garrett's been taking heat from fans forever, but he's just good in Jerry's book, good in Jerry's book. This comment he made yeah. just because they're talking about giving him an extension, he's talking about if, if Jason Garrett had been on the market when, you know, Black Monday and Black Sunday, he knows that five teams would have just been, you know, knocking down the door to get to him. What? What Mike McCarthy ain't even got a job and he won a Super Bowl. So who who are these five brothers well, that would just be dying to get Jason Garrett? I mean, come on there, Jerry. Yeah, Mike, Mike McCarthy said he only
4: wanted to coach Jets. That he took himself out and running for a lot of teams But I well, I, I, they, I, they, I don't they, I don't see how he could have had five other jobs. So I don't see how. Right.
1: That that's that's you know Jerry blowing smoke and he knows it, but uh he just he he's been really loyal to him for some reason. So I, that makes me wonder what kind of dirt Jason got on him, but you know because he's never even <laughs> getting scrutiny, He does not even get scrutinized, does not even when well, we need to evaluate the coach at the end of the year. All those years when you win the last game of the season and you make the playoffs, those win or go home games that we was losing to finish eight and eight every year. No heat at all. Nothing. Uh now yes. this year he done bought himself a lot of time going ten and six after starting three and five. Won a playoff game. So he's good to go for a long time now, but I, I don't see how Jerry couldn't have been upset or disappointed, you know, with the underperforming prior to this season. I don't understand that. Yeah.
4: Absolutely. You know, like I said it it's and his sons trying to take a little power uh, from him, but he, he fought them back, so I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. I not understand him cutting his And then is in the games hanging out with him. And the concerts hanging out with him. So I didn't understand his logic right. that.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of head-scratching stuff, for sure. Well, fellas, yeah, we dude. can't thank y'all enough for taking time to hop on with us, taking an hour out of y'all's evening while you're shooting tomorrow's episode with Carlos Collins and getting that ready for tomorrow. Take the time to hop on with us. Can't thank y'all enough for dropping knowledge on the high school scene in Lexington and talking NBA NFL like we knew y'all would. Should have had y'all on way before now, but uh I'm gonna have to go back and watch the Dante Allen episode for sure and can't wait to see tomorrow's episode when y'all drop it, man. Hey bud man, we
4: definitely appreciate y'all having us on, man. Benny TB. T B man, I know how it is with the co host sometimes where they you know hold on to teams like Dallas. So just keep the faith, brother. I'm praying for you. You hold
3: tight, bro. Man, that's
1: a devil.
3: Hey, all I'm to say, man. I'm loyal to the win. Like I said, we win and we ride. Let's go. <laughs> And uh, appreciate y'all, man. Great show. And uh, just keep growing, man, doing what y'all do, man.
4: Yeah, definitely. Big fans, man. Definitely, definitely. Hey, we got to support one another. We appreciate the love. Thank you. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. We appreciate man. it. And y'all keep growing, too. Appreciate y'all. Big things you All right. And y'all, through. too. Just talk, we part of the crew, enough, and then the second the brand. We, call,
4: we got our own TV, man. So give a shout out to them dudes, too, man. We appreciate it. Yes,
1: sir. Thank y'all so much. All right, man. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good evening now. You do the and same. appreciate it. I Coach Bue, Coach Truck, Big Thing Kentucky on YouTube. Go there and subscribe. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Next episode drops episode 46 tomorrow. Carlos college and talks some recruiting. It's a fun watch. Just as much fun as y'all have listening to them on with us tonight. You have that much fun when you go and watch uh each and every episode of theirs on YouTube. And I definitely gotta watch the Dante Allen episode where they had him on with them as well. So lots of fun, lots of fun. We got another fun half hour ish, a little more than that. We started a few minutes late. So we'll keep getting on into uh some more stuff. Like we mentioned got Kansas coming up this weekend. We'll flash back to the Championship Sunday TV. I already got your thoughts on, you you know, Antonio Brown coming to uh, your 49ers, chatting with Jerry Rice and and George Kittle and and all that and
2: how he might be out there with y'all. Let me just say this. If Antonio Brown becomes a 49er, Jersey Makers, Foot Locker, wherever – take my money. I am getting a Brown jersey for the 49ers. Thank you very much. I, I, I missed the boat with Terrell Brown because for one season he was actually T. Brown. I didn't jump on it then. kicking myself in the butt ever since. So, Antonio Brown for the Niners, take my money. Also, people talking about maybe that's where Josh Allen goes. So, take my money. <laughs> oh, man.
1: That would be... That would be something. That sure would. Absolutely.
2: If, uh, Absolutely.
1: If Josh Allen were out there, that would be
2: something else
1: for sure. Speaking of, you know, Jerry Rice being the goat and all, um, Larry Fitzgerald, who's in that same division, y'all face him twice a year, just announced that he's going to come back for a 16th season uh, out there in Arizona. Assuming he's you know, just gotta stay healthy, he's twenty three receptions away from moving in to second place on the all time receiving list. So right now he's sitting at thirteen oh three and what Jay Rice has fifteen forty nine, right? Yeah. So he would move into second if you know, starts off the year, get twenty three catches. Uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, who are going to have yet another new head coach because the guy they just brought in last year didn't work out. Um, If he had had a consistent good quarterback, what could he have done? He only had Kurt Warner for a minute, and he's just been out there with who knows what all those other years and still got 1,300 catches for 16,000-plus yards.
2: Here's here's my thing, and Larry Fitzgerald is fantastic. Absolutely, there's no denying that he's one of the more gifted guys to ever play uh, the wide receiver position. And this is the point I try to make when people talk, you know, the greatest at their position. Larry Fitzgerald has had a great Hall of Fame career. Great. And he's still 6,000. Uh, yards and over 200 catches away from what Jerry Rice did. Now, if he's able to play six more years, averaging a thousand yards a season, then I will tip my hat to him for breaking the record. But it's 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 such a wide gap between Jerry and the field that let's appreciate that. Number two, and again, let me couch all of this by saying I am a 49ers fan. Jerry Rice is my favorite athlete of all time. I am T Brown underscore 80 because of Jerry Rice. When you come into my home, there's a Jerry Rice picture hanging up on the wall as soon as you enter. Some people have Obama or Kennedy or Jesus or whoever. I've got Jerry Rice hanging up. So let me just put that out there. But a lot of people, particularly when it comes to like Randy Moss and numbers, I will say that, yes, Jerry had the benefit of playing with, if you're looking top 10, top 15 quarterbacks, he played with two of them, with Joe Montana, who I think would be number two, and and Steve Young, who you'd have to put in that top 10. But you have to dig deeper into the numbers, and you have to look at uh, attempts per season. Joe Montana's high for attempts in season, and I think was 800 and something. I I had all this. I had to look it up. But his high season for attempts would be Tom Brady's low season for attempts. Right? The game has absolutely changed. So, yes, I know that uh, Randy Moss and and Fitzgerald did not play with those same caliber quarterbacks, but I would counter that by saying the rules have actually changed so the passing game was a little bit more wide open – than when Jerry was at his peak and and the Michael Irvin's and all that kind of stuff. So I think you have to look at it a little bit like that as well, that the number of opportunities have increased. The game has changed a little bit. And I'm not trying to slight Larry Fitzgerald because, I mean, he has just been fantastic. He's been loyal to that franchise. They were terrible when he got there. They got good and went to a Super Bowl and now they're terrible again. And, And you don't usually see a lot of uh, athletes kind of hanging around after the heyday is over, but they've been loyal to him. He's been loyal to them. So I definitely like to see that aspect. And there's no shame finishing your career, you know, second in catches and second in receiving yards. There, there's no shame in in that opportunity. So uh, I'm sl- under my breath, I'm rooting for for Larry Fitzgerald for the next couple of years uh, because to keep in mind, because uh, he's 36 this year. Jerry Rice had a thousand-yard receiving season at age 39. He had a 1200-yard receiving season at age 40. So, that's that's a pretty big target. Both of those are records, and even around those, he had a couple of 800-yard seasons as he was leaving San Francisco and then going to, mm-hmm. um, and then going to the Raiders. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that that's definitely some big shoes to fill. If you're going to be shooting for that number, that's not a bad number to shoot for. But I, I, I will say I do think it's fair to say the Cardinals were dreadful for so long of his career. It, it, it's definitely going to be one of those, what if the team had been better? What could Larry Fitzgerald have done? I think that's absolutely uh, a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. So it's
1: definitely – heard that he was coming back. Signed a one-year deal, so the chances of him at this point probably playing six, probably no more on the slim side. Um, but, you know, we'll, you just have to see if he's going kind of year by year now. But he is going to be back uh, for this upcoming yeah. season with those Cardinals and had a, had a great career, uh, like you mentioned. Um, yeah. You've been a Louisville. You've been a little native. i got to ask you. heard. I think I saw the tweet from Hallie Lindsay where they're going to be a demolition, I think, tomorrow of Cardinal Stadium. I never made it to the old Cardinal Stadium, the football stadium. Um, one, did you go there a lot, and what are they going to do once the stadium is, is kind of, you know, flattened out? Are they going to put something else there or is uh, it was still in the works? It just, just caught my eye, so I knew I had to ask you about it.
2: Well, it's one of those things, uh, Cardinal Stadium, right next door to Freedom Hall, which uh, was where L played basketball up until, was it 2002, 2003, something like that, uh, before they moved to the Yum Center. I love Freedom Hall, by the way. That's just, it's a great venue. Spent a lot of time there. Uh, for those that don't know, yes, I grew up a Louisville fan. So, yes, I spent a lot of time uh, in my youth <laughs> at Freedom Hall. And... Uh, mm-hmm. at uh, Cardinal Stadium. Uh, it's where the Redbirds, uh-huh. the minor league affiliate, played. Uh, they were the affiliate of the mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals, so we would see Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee and Vince Coleman come through on rehab since.
0: What? Uh, I remember they had to yeah Wow. Yeah, yeah, we,
2: yeah, the Redbirds actually moved to uh-huh. Memphis, of all places, where Mama Bee's hometown, so that's a circle of life kind of thing. But uh, I remember <laughs> that. I remember the football game. Uh, back to where, uh, I mean, basically, and this isn't a flight. This is just the way it was. If you read a book at the library, you could get a free ticket to Louisville football game. I mean, it was, it just wasn't the hot ticket. Which, you know, when I say that, really, it's impressive where U of L football was in my youth to where it is even today, even after this last season. Uh, Louisville was an independent you know, for a big chunk of its history. Uh, so for them to go from where they were to where they are, I tip my hat to Howard Snellenberger and all those folks that put in work to, to that. So I've been there for football games. Uh, I've been there for, uh, for baseball games, for concerts. That's why I saw Morris Day in the Time a couple of years ago at the State Fair. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the best concerts I've ever been to was a free concert. Morris Day was fantastic. He did all the did all the songs. So <clears throat> I haven't heard what is going there, but the the fairgrounds itself has gone undergone a lot of renovations. Uh, the south wing uh, area. I don't know if you you've been to the fairgrounds where the state fair is, but. Uh, They've really done a lot to revamp. There's a lot of horse shows out there and rodeos, so it there it does get some use. So I'm not sure if it's going to be parking or what that space will will come into, uh, will turn into, I should say. But definitely, yeah, a lot of a lot of memories. You know, it's right there on I-65 as you drive uh, through uh, the city. Uh, the big silos are, are gone from the Ralston Pre Arena plant. Um, so that whole sight line has changed uh, a little bit on sixty five, and uh, it's one of those things. that's going to be, hey, that's where this place used to be. That's what happens. The older you get, the more you remember where things used to be, more so than where they actually are. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Like exactly. we got a we got to tweet in to uh, the show earlier in the day before we came on but definitely got got to mention it and mention it before we went off the air because anything that goes past eight, we'll be on the podcast. You just won't hear it now. But uh, Coach Josh Hurt at Twitter, Coach J. Hurt uh, tweeted at our show today. Of course, he is one half of the KY Sports guys along with D Stock Cody. They are in Edmonton, Kentucky. Uh, in Metcalf County on 991 The host they come on the same time as us, you know, 6 to 7 uh, our time, 5 to 6 central time with their time. They've come on a couple times. They came on once after their show and hopped on for the second hour with us. Uh, then another time we did the, the crossover show where we called in to their show while we were on, and we were both on each other's shows at the same time, those guys are hilarious. They do, you know, lots of fun bits in addition to talking sports and talking a lot of random topics. So you and I were able to partake in that and be on the show uh, with them and, you know, the whole crossover deal. And that was a lot of fun. Um, in addition to that, Coach Hurt, you know, they're both teachers at Metcalf County High School. Coach Hurt coaches the Metcalf County Lady Hornets basketball team. And right now the All-A Classic is going on. And Coach Hurd's squad is balling. The, uh, the Lady Hornets won. Uh, the other night, Monday night, they, uh, they defeated Louisville Holy Cross 58-49. to I think it was. I'm not sure what the day it was. But, anyway, they beat Louisville Holy Cross. So, Friday at 830 in the morning, they play cousins Covington Holy Cross. They get nine of the Holy Crosses throughout the state. Uh, the tournament is at McBrayer Arena on EKU's campus there in Richmond. So since they're continuing to win, they're, uh, they're having to postpone their shows on Wednesdays, which is, I mean, that's a good reason to be postponing your show when your team continues to advance in the tournament. Uh, so Coach Hurt tweeted earlier today, due to uh, at Lady Hornets Hoop continued success, KY Sports Guys show number 102 will be postponed Again, thanks for your support. If you love BBN and need a podcast fix, give our friends at Cats Talk Wednesday a listen. And then said we will be back next Wednesday. So that's a good thing to be canceling shows for when you keep advancing in the All-A Classic. So congratulations to Coach Josh Hurt and the Metcalf County Lady Hornets. And wish them all the best on Friday as they take on Covington Holy Cross. The uh, Metcalf County Lady Hornets coach, Coach Hurt's squad, is 16 and 3 TD, so they ain't playing around. They they are doing their thing. Uh, definitely knew we wanted to give them some love. Appreciate Coach Hurt and company, you know, telling fans of their show that hey, give us a listen since they weren't going to be on. Uh, but you definitely do. They they have a fun show, and we had fun being on it. And we've had fun when they're on our show. We've been on shooting from the lift together, around the shots together, all of us as guests. So they're great guys, and hope they do well uh, and
2: have a great run through the All-A Classic. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I definitely want, uh, want their team to do well. And if there's a reason to cancel the show, that sounds like a pretty good one uh, to cancel postpone. post hey, so Much love yeah. to you. Much love to the hornet. That's right. And they've
1: had to cancel two in a row now. So we got past yeah, two Wednesdays they haven't been on. So uh, if they're balling out. Hey, 16-3, and Coach Hurts doing his thing, man. It, you can't, can't knock that at all. So we wish them the best. And, uh, that's, and like, I, that's early. Look, <laughs> Friday at 830, look, at, for a high school kid, you know, we remember having to just go the first period <laughs> at 830. they got to get up and play a game. They got to play Covenant Holy Cross at eight thirty in the morning Friday, so they have to get them up and, and warm up and be ready to play a ball game at eight thirty. That's that's an uh, unenviable task, but uh, you know, coach will be ready for it and, and have the ladies ready to play. Absolutely. Let's see. Flipping back to Kansas two CB, because a lot of times you're the one that uh, you'll hit up. History.net. We both love it. We both use it when we write, you know, articles and, and link stuff and pull up stats for CameronMensRadio.com. Um, you pointed out just when we recap games on the show. But, Kansas comes in, uh, and, of course, they're, they're without their big guys, so they're a little bit different. Uh, the big Bouquet kid, and he was there two years ago when Kentucky played Kansas at Rupp, against part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um they don't have him. They just lost on the road at West Virginia in Big 12 play, and Coach Huggins and them are struggling this year. That was West Virginia's first conference win, winning at home against Kansas. That made them 1-5 in the Big 12. Uh, they were able to knock off Kansas. Kentucky has been on the wrong side of the last three games against Kansas. They've won three in a row in this series. Um, Kentucky hasn't beaten them since that seventy-two to forty beat down in twenty fifteen, and Kansas went on that three-game winning streak to improve their record to nine and twenty-two versus Kentucky in the series. Kentucky is twenty-two and nine head-to-head against Kansas. That is crazy. And look, you know, Kentucky has the lead in most of the series against everybody. There's some teams that like North Carolina has the upper hand, so on and so forth. But after the 72 40 win, Kentucky was 22 6 against Kansas. They won two years ago in They won in a Champions Classic a couple of years ago. Um, and then they also won out there in Lawrence with the U.S. and Murray team, who gave them all they wanted and failed in, in overtime. But they had to go to, on a three game win streak in the series to improve to 9 and 22 against Kentucky. Yeah, that's just that was
2: just more lopsided than I had even remember. It was eighteen to three at one point. Because Kansas <laughs> has won three in a row. Before that we won three in a row, then they won three in a row. So up until the year two thousand, it was eighteen and three. So
1: crazy.
2: you know, for, Ken, for a blue The place run, where
1: Ruff came from. The place where Ruff came from. Crazy. That,
2: now, and, and this is why I really wanted to beat Kansas because Kansas had the only thirty for thirty I have turned off that I stopped watching. I Had it on the DVR, watched it, stopped watching, eventually deleted it. It was uh, the Kansas guy was trying to get Naismith's original rules of basketball back uh, to Kansas because you know he had he had coached at Kansas, as you said, ties are up and everything like that which seemed pretty interesting. But then the guy was talking, you know, uh, he said, when you think about it, you know, Kansas really is the heart of college basketball because Rupp came from there. Dean Smith, I think, visited Kansas. Uh, John Wooden drove through Kansas. This was the guy's reasoning. All these coaches were just remotely on some kind of far tangent related to Kansas. And I said, you know what? No. Kansas is a blue blood, but they've only got three NCAA titles. So you know, it's like you're in, but you know, you know, people talk about Cal and how the talent he's had in Kentucky. Kansas had a lot of talent going back to Wilt Chamberlain and not a mm-hmm. lot to show for it. So if you're going to get on anybody, get on Roy Williams at Kansas and get on uh, Bill Self at Kansas. A lot of Bucknells, a lot of Northern Iowas with Ali, Farouk Amesh, uh, and all that. So, you know, Kansas, you know, for all the success they've had in the Big 12, you know, uh, Kansas is still – I think they've left some things on the table uh, as well. So, definitely, I want to beat Kansas. You know, we beat North Carolina, you beat Kansas, you beat Louisville. Uh, that ha- That's going to get you feeling pretty good. That's going to be uh, a good non-conference uh, win if you can beat Kansas. Kansas, I don't think, is as formidable as they were probably at the beginning of the year. You know, I saw them in, uh, in Indianapolis when they played Michigan State and won. Uh, you know, they didn't look like world beaters then. And going back to what I said earlier, I'm sold on Kentucky, not because I think this team is elite. I don't. I don't think they're. I think they're good. They have the potential, but it's, it's everybody else. You know, there's no, you know, 2015 Kentucky uh, uh, team out there that I'm really scared of playing. Which, by the way, I saw a tweet, and I can't remember. I think Kentucky Sports Radio tweeted this out, looking at offensive defensive efficiency, I forget what kind of rating system it was, but looking over the past couple years using this metric, and uh, on this list of 10 teams of these highest ratings, there was 2015 Kentucky, 2015 Wisconsin, and 2015 Duke. I mean, that's how crazy that year was. You know, I think if you replay that, you know, I think we, we win the championship, but that's a little side note. But I think beat Kansas. I think you shake off. There's still some fans that aren't buying in because that Duke hangover is still lingering. But I think you beat Kansas, uh, it's it's just going to, I think, really up these guys' game, especially if they're able to come out and and, and handle Kansas. No easy task. I'm not saying Kansas is a, a garbage team or anything like that. No far from it. But I think, you know, at home, this is one that the Cats really need so number 1 people stop saying that we've lost our um oh what was it um lost our mojo. I don't know mm-hmm. who started that within the big blue nation, but I've just seen that same thing regurgitated over and over again. We've lo- we haven't had our mojo since 2015 the final 4 and um, you know that completely overlooks the Fox Monk Bam team. I mean whatever. But I don't know who started it, but that <laughs> has spread like wildfire, but Uh, stop the losing streak against Carolina, take care of Louisville again, uh, go out, take care of Kansas, get in that little mini losing streak to Kansas, and I think people are going to start feeling a whole lot better about this team. Yeah. And you
1: talked a lot about Ashton Hagen's too. You talked a lot about all of them kind of all finding their way, filling their role. As Michelle Morton tweets in that Vanderbilt is hanging with Tennessee and Tennessee is up. 38-37 38-37 30, right before the half, which uh, they did struggle with Alabama and in that funky game at Vanderbilt. We'll see what happens. Um, but Ashton Hagen, you know, has been getting the Rondo treatment. Uh, teams are daring him to shoot. Uh, we know what he can do in transition. We know what he can do defensively. Rondo, at this point, we, we know what he is as a shooter, You know, whether it's with Celtics, Lakers, you know, he'll hit an occasional shot, but, you know, he's never going to be a dead eye. Hagan's stroke looks good. There are times where he still should let it fly just to keep teams honest, but there was – he splashed a three down at Georgia. Percentage-wise, he hasn't been tearing it up. But his shot looks good, you know, to where if he – just goes ahead and starts shooting some. I think, you know, three or four weeks from now, we'll see teams not even sag off of him like that anymore. I think he will definitely have the capability and potential to make teams start to respect him from the perimeter, you know, which will kind of round out his game offensively.
2: Right. And and I don't think his shot is as awkward and as kind of labored as Wayne Turner, who – with no. I think a consistent, a consistent jump shot away from really being dynamic, you know, even though yeah. uh, he's one of those guys that gets overlooked, you know, <sighs> we didn't just start playing basketball when when Coach Cal arrived in town, and just because <laughs> the Anthony Epps of the world, the Wayne Turners didn't light up the NBA, doesn't mean they were good to great collegiate point guards. I, I mean, just just look at the run. I was thinking about this. A three-year period, we had uh, two losses in the postseason. You know how insane that is? You know, 96 losing the SEC uh, tournament title game, 97 the uh, NCAA title game, and 98 straight through. That is unreal. And you do that when you have point guard play like we were able to have out of uh, Anthony Epps and Wayne Turner, kind of back-to-back there. So if, if Hagan, and going back to what you're saying, his shot isn't bad. It's like E.J. Montgomery. The shot looks fluid. It's just a matter of he's got to see some of those shots go in. And and once he does that, think how his effectiveness in the half court will will, will go. If you've got a ball handler that can that can shoot the ball, wow, that really opens up things. Uh, for you. So that's something I, I definitely want to take a look at on Saturday. I think Kansas will dare him to shoot. Can he do enough uh, on the offense side with his jump shot to kind of open things up for everybody else? I think he can. We, we've got to see that. And then conversely, when Quickly comes in, is he going to be able to do things defensively to kind of give Hagen's a rest? So it's a big-time matchup. This is what you want as a Kentucky fan. And let me just ramble a little bit about that is if you look at just social media before, after, during Kentucky games, you would have no idea that we've got more wins than any other program in college basketball history. You would have no idea that when we go on the road in the SEC, you'd have to look it up and say, we've got more championships than the rest of the SEC team's Combined, you have to look that information up. If Kentucky is as good as we say, and I think the program speaks for itself, why are we? Why are we? It's like we're scared because we have a little bit of a challenge. You know, well, this team's going to play us tough. They've been doing that since Dan Issel was rolling the sidelines.
0: <laughs> we get
2: everybody's best shot year in year out. Nothing changes. You know, the the, you know, the players, coaches shuffle, but. We go to Auburn; it's a big deal. Have you, have you seen, uh, uh, you know, the, the attendance numbers when t- when it's not Kentucky coming to town? We're the only we are the only game in town. There's nothing new about that. And I tweeted this out. Everybody makes fun of when Cal says we're everybody's Super Bowl, and they like to poke fun yeah. at that. But Kentucky in the SEC, Kansas in the Big Twelve. And I would even say Duke in the ACC get every team's best shot every time out. And and that that to me is what separates your blue blood from the bluest of the blue bloods. Like I know I just told Kansas they've only won three championships, but guaranteed (laughs) they get every team's best shot, whether it's in Lawrence, in Lubbock, in Iowa City not Iowa City, Ames, and wherever, and, and Duke, I mean, look at it. When Duke, uh, at Florida State, when it was a two-point game or whatever it was, those fans were ready to rush the court. That's what Duke has to face every time out. The same with Kentucky. It's a big deal if you're these teams. I mean, honestly, Auburn, we're 82, I think 82, no, I think 83-19 and 19 all time against Auburn. Beating Kentucky is a big deal. Since the SEC started and we started playing Auburn, we have had more uh, presidential elections than Auburn has beaten Kentucky. You know, the same way with Alabama. It had been ten straight games. I mean, that's not unusual for Kentucky and the SEC. So those three teams get everybody's best shot every time out. And, and that, I think, is, is unique. Uh, I think they get a little bit extra when, when those teams come to town.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely the case. So, um, you know, always that way, and um, you know that's why we mentioned West Virginia knocking off Kansas State. They hadn't won a game in conference. You, you know, as as good as they had been under Huggins, this year is a down year for them. They were zero and five in the league, and they knock off Kansas. I think it was Saturday. Uh, yeah, I think it was one of ten teams in the top ten uh, got beat. Michigan lost, and Tennessee survived. But Kansas lost. So yeah, um, and we saw Kentucky go up to West Virginia and, and saw how hard it was to get a win there. So they were they were good and ready, Mountaineers fans, for Kansas to come in this past weekend, and and they were able to pull off. Uh, The win, I think it was 65, 64 or something like that. So yeah, Kansas gets that throughout the Big 12. They won however many Big 12 regular season uh, conference championships. So yeah, they they get that same uh, locked-in razor focus from, like you said, you know Kansas State, Iowa State, uh, Oklahoma State, everywhere like that. You know they get that kind of
2: treatment. And and the thing is, too, even though we, uh, Kentucky, quote-unquote, has lost its mojo since 2015, the 2016 team shared the SEC title, won the tournament. You know, 2017, you know, won the title, won the regular season title outright, won the tournament. Last year's team, after a four-game losing streak where even – I would say I'm pretty optimistic when it comes to these things. I was ready to kind of write off things, still mess around, and beat Tennessee in the SEC tournament final. So, yeah, even if yeah. Kentucky's not at its best, we're still bringing in SEC hardware. You know, Tubby Smith, not a very proud, boastful person. I remember this at one of the SEC media days. They asked, they asked him about what he was worried about competing in the SEC something like that, and his thing is, all he knew is that at the end of every year, they got a delivery from the SEC home office and there's a trophy in the box. So, you know, <laughs> and, and Tony and wasn't lying. I know, you know, didn't get to the Final Four and all that, but even then, competitive and the SEC winning the SEC. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that was a stretch when the SEC was really was tough at basketball too in the late 90s and early 2000s. So, uh, you know, folks, you know, remember back when we were in school, it wasn't just Kentucky. You know, going back to Arkansas in 94, they were the runners up in 95. Mm-hmm. Kentucky had a run. Florida went to the Final Four, I think was at 94. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. they were national runners up in 2000. Uh, Mississippi State got in there with the Final Four. So it wasn't just Kentucky. SEC basketball was really, really good at that point in time. You know, Vanderbilt was always Vanderbilt. So, uh, uh, forgot where I was going with that, but the SEC was tough, uh, back then. But still, Tubby always, he said, Hey, we're just getting a trophy. <laughs> you know, so, uh, sure. those three teams, yeah. yeah thought I mean, it like we, it was. Yeah, get everybody's best <clears> shot. <throat> That's just the way it is.
1: That's it.
2: And speaking of getting best shots, um,
1: P.J. Washington has just been on the wrong end of flagrant. no matter how you slice it. He took a shot. You know, we, we did the whole LaVell Crawford two chops to the throat against Seton Hall, and that wasn't a flagrant. And then you fast forward to the game against Auburn, and he ends up getting called for a flagrant. Both of them questionable to controversial, and neither one went his
2: way. Yeah, and, and, and look, there's, there's a fine line to be had here with officiating. I think there needs to be more accountability. I think there's a lot of areas in officiating can improve. My biggest pet peeve is the guy 90 feet away from the play making the call. Uh, what coaches and fans would want and players is consistency. Uh, if you call it in the first quarter, call it in the fourth quarter. If it's a foul on Tuesday, you know, in Milwaukee, it needs to be a foul, uh same situation needs to be a foul if it's the, you know, Eastern Conference Finals. You know, it, it just you just need to have some consistency. Mm-hmm. But what we're seeing, and, and, and this kind of segues into championship weekend.
1: Ain't that the truth.
2: <laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of, sports writers and Seth Davis is is great at this is oh you just want people to be perfect no look mistakes happen mistakes have happened with officials mistakes are part of you know guys drop passes I mean guys miss shots mistakes happen but in the NFL you can't have I think they're up to is it nine officials if I know nine officials look at something and, and not make a flag on a play that even someone that doesn't understand football says, well, that's past interference, you know, talking about the Rams and the Saints. Uh, I don't want played equate it up there to like uh, I don't, some people were saying it was up there like uh, Ohio State, Miami in the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago. I don't think that that was just a delayed call that, that it was one of those things you happen, you see it in real time. Could have gone either way in real time. The guy just, it was late getting his flag out. But this was one of those, I'm watching it, waiting for the flag. I mean, everything that a defender is not supposed to do, he did. He ran into, initiated contact, never looked back for the ball, and you're thinking, that's got to be something. And it, it deflects when you talk about, you know, one play doesn't make a game. Well, absolutely, one play, when it happens, does impact a game. You know, there are a lot of different things that happen in a football game to determine who wins, who loses. But when something happens, you know, it's like a Jeff Goldblum in, in Jurassic Park. Remember, we talk about the drop of water, you know, <laughs> and the path that it takes. And I'm no math person, but there's a algorithm to that. It gets different every time where a call here completely changes the outcome of a game it, it can happen ooh, ooh. and i'm not saying that to jump on the officials i'm just saying stop talking down to folks sports writers when we say officials are making terrible calls i uh, that's just and everybody deserves a better product than what we're getting college basketball we talked about uh former cat scott padgett and his run in with an overly aggressive official Uh, It's just officiating is just It's bad no matter where you go uh, What level It is They have way too much sway To not have a little bit more accountability Now Justin Rowland tweeted out yesterday And I agree with him I don't necessarily want to see A post game press conference With the officials sitting there Because We you know you and I have seen We've all seen And those post-game press conferences, or press conferences in general, it's easy to misstate something, right? It's easy to get tongue-tied and say something that you didn't mean to say. Well, if you don't think that somebody's going to catch an official and a slip-up and run with it on a conspiracy theory, yeah, you got to know they're coming. That's absolutely what will happen. But I would definitely love to see a little bit more accountability uh, an egregious call like that, the officials have to sit. Like, you, there has to be something uh, uh, that these leagues can do to say, you know what, we have to make sure our product is officiated correctly. It's fair to the players and the fans.
1: I mean, it was like it was like NFL blitz. I mean, I know you used to play it. And you call your play, and you could just level on the video game. You could just level guys. That was the whole point, you know. It, it was, it was WWE and football and just extreme, and that's the way he laid them out. I mean, he, <laughs> and he admitted it. That look, the Rams, it's it's not their job to make that call, but there wasn't any of this keep it torn around. The they were like, yeah, it was, it was, it was. I hit him really. I whacked him. I mean, that's what the Rams DB is saying because. <laughs> It absolutely was. I didn't turn for the ball. All that was the case. And I hit him helmet-to-helmet and pass interference. And neither one of the guys and the refs looking at it. The one ref at, like, the five-yard line where he's behind it, and then you got the other new, you know, sideline refs, you know, back in the corner of the end zone where it's coming towards him. Neither one of them saw
2: anything egregious. And, and, and they've got to, they've got to make that call because it's like a certain player that plays for a certain team uh, out of the city of Houston puts a lot of pressure on the <laughs> official and yeah. you know I've been back and forth on that and you know I'm talking about your guy James Harden um, he's become one of the tougher guys to to officiate just because of his herky jerky and all the little tricks he does, it's, it's a tough call. It's the same way I'd put him on the list as far as guys to officiate with Shaq, simply because he's, he was, you know, Shaq was so physically imposing that a foul to him is not a foul to everybody else. So it's a difficult situation, but you want to see the officials be consistent. I think even if they're terrible for everybody, Teams and players, can, can you can um, adjust to that. But when things are just kind of haphazard, and, and when you look at something like P.J.'s uh, flagrant foul, I, you, you can't make that call. I mean, that could have turned the game. Absolutely. I, I don't think right. that's yeah. – I'd probably say uh, that that kind of call can, can turn the game. It absolutely can uh that's one of my gripes with, with the Seth Davis is talking about, do you want to be perfect and one play? Yeah, one play absolutely does. I mean, and, and we've seen it. I mean, it, it's foolish to think that one play couldn't change the outcome of a game. And case in point, and I'm going to probably upset some of our Kentucky fans, but the 2015 Final Four. If the shot clock violation was called, as it should have been, which, you know, everybody likes to say Kentucky fans are, you know, you know, sore losers and all this kind of stuff. If it wasn't that big of a deal about whether or not you could look at a shot clock violation, why did they change the rule? Because now you can look at that. Now they can go to the monitor and review it. Couldn't do it in 2015. But I need to let that go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but if that, if that changes, does that change the outcome of the game? You, you don't know, but you'd have to think that, that that extra possession, the Cats could have done something. And that's part of it. I said all this to say this. Officiating across all sports has become the topic du jour. And at some point, it's going to turn people off to the product on the court, on the field. At some point, I mean, the numbers are bearing out. It hasn't yet, but at some point, it absolutely will.
1: Definitely, definitely. And to a lesser look, the the Saints Rams trumped everything, Um, and and (laughs) just two years in a row, just gut wrenching. At least last year, Stefan Diggs made a play or the Saints DB didn't make a play, and that's what, you know, was the gut punch that saw their season in. This year, it was totally out of their hands. Um, they can go down and run out the clock and kick a field goal and, and win the game and honestly should be playing in the Super Bowl against New England. Uh, to a lesser degree, you, you had some stuff in the New England game. And look, you're not going to catch everything, but you had a uh, a rough in the passing passer call on Mahomes that didn't get called and you had the same thing on Brady that did get called and it was the referee behind Brady making the call because he assumed Brady took a hand to the face when he didn't. When Brady was hit clearly in the shoulder Um uh, I mean, that's not on the level of Saints-Rams, but, you know, Patriots always getting everything to go yes. their way. Uh, the Chiefs, man, they still have the game won. When you get an interception that ends the game, you can't line up in the neutral zone. <laughs> the Chiefs should be in the Super Bowl as well, except for that fundamental error on their part. But, you know, shady stuff. Did the ball hit Edelman's index finger and thumb on the punt? Um are we going to review everything? Or are we going to review nothing? Stuff that should be reviewable isn't. You know, it's just still stuff that needs to be fixed and adjustments that need to be made. And if this postseason isn't proof, then nothing's going to change.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think the NFL will look and, and try to get it right. No doubt that they, they won't uh, do that. Um, I just, you know, we talk about the the rules and you look at, uh, the NFL overtime rules, that's kind of come back in the thing. Uh, should it come down to a coin flip? Um, I Patriots fans think that people have talked about it or talking about just because it's the Patriots. And that's true to an extent. People are tired of the Patriots and the way, they seem to benefit from all these obscure, arcane rules. I'd never heard mm-hmm. of one rule until it happened with New England. Nobody had heard of that. I mean, that was – so they seem to benefit from things that you're like, that's a rule? So that's not their fault. It's just a lot of stuff happens with New England that you're like, what? I didn't even know that was part of football. Uh, but as far as the NFL overtime rules, People have been complaining about that uh, as long as I've been watching football. Uh, even going back to when it's not successful, like uh, Matt Hasselbeck, you know, we'll take the ball and we're going to score. Uh, it, it, it just it it to me it just seems weird that a coin toss can influence the outcome of a game. And I've look I've seen the numbers, and it's. The winning, the team that wins a coin toss in overtime at NFL, I think wins like 54% of the time, and in college it's 52%. If I remember those, it's it's not much above 50%. But the perception really? is, to me, that it's like, you know, winning that coin toss absolutely affects the outcome of the game, and it just seems weird that that could be the case. I would be of the opinion that, hey, just put NFL, you play. You put another 15 minutes on the board. You know, you mm-hmm. keep playing it. Because I think what's cool. glaring about the Patriots and the Chiefs is, because you had to think, whatever offense got the ball, the other defense wasn't stopping them. If the Chiefs right. had won the ball, I I don't think the Patriots defense was going to stop the homes. That's why I think this mm-hmm. one has such a visceral feel to it. Like, you just knew whoever won it was going to go down and score the touchdown in the game. And, yea, verily, it came to pass. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
2: Baseball Hall of
1: Fame, Edgar Martinez, Mike Ufina, the late Roy Halladay, Mariano Rivera. We finally get, and that's going to be the headline, we finally get a unanimous nomination, Mariano Rivera. And what was the stat? He, he's got more men have walked on the moon than he had bone What was
2: the stand? I
1: just missed it. I was, like 12 people walked on the moon. He had 11, what, bone saves
2: in the coast or something like that. No, uh, that 11 crazy. people had, sc- had scored earned runs off Mario Rivera in, you know, however many appearances and 12 people had walked yeah. on the moon. Uh, as far as the, as far as the unanimous part of it, uh Bo Monty Jones of ESPN said it best. We finally had somebody that no sports writer had a bone to pick with. And when you think about oh, Mario oh. Rivera, he he wasn't controversial. He always seemed court. So we found someone that sports writers didn't have a bone to pick with. You know, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. He wore his hat backwards. That rubbed people the wrong oh. way. Uh oh. you know, so <laughs> So, it's, it's that weird caveat that, you know, with Steph Curry being the only unanimous MVP in NBA history, and you're like, well, Michael Jordan played a bunch of years in the NBA. What are you talking about? Like, you know, there were some years mm-hmm. where there were some guys. So, it's going to be one of those. I don't think this is saying that Mario Rivera is the best of the best players. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think anybody would make that argument. I just think, like Bomani Jones said, he was the one guy nobody had an argument with. Uh, because people yeah. who have listened to this show know, I always thought it was dumb that there were no unanimous people. You can't look at Kenny really? and and say, he doesn't, he's not, you know, even going back to, you know, Babe Ruth and Ted Williams, are you kidding? What? You know, are you no. kidding me with this? So uh, I'm happy for them. I really think, excuse me, the interesting vote. Is for Edgar Martinez, who was a designated hitter for a big chunk of his career. What this says to me, when you when you talk about kind of the 450 riders that make up the voting for the Hall of Fame is, David Ortiz is coming up soon, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't all of a sudden be anti-designated hitter and then put David Ortiz in. So I think Edgar Martinez, who was a great player and should have been in on his own, I think that that's the the voting people saying we got to get ready for Ortiz, but we have to put another you know primarily designated hitter in as well. I could be misreading that, but yeah. that's my interpretation that mm-hmm. uh, you can't just be because David Ortiz is getting in. He was fantastic got the Red Sox to, what, three World Series or whatever it was. I don't know, whatever. But he wasn't he, – I don't think you could say he was the best designated hitter. I think you have to put Edgar Martinez up there. up there So him getting in, I think, is a good thing. And that's just letting folks know that when Ortiz comes, he's getting in on the first ballot because now we have legitimized the uh, – we you know, we've, we've given some credence to the designated hitter, as well as Mario Rivera – Kind of, you know, keeping that pipeline of closers. You know, that was one of those things. Relievers and closing pitchers didn't get a lot of love, so now you see guys getting in that fill those roles. Uh, so baseball is, is kind of getting it, but still a little bit behind the times.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, um, real quick to mellow to the Lakers. You know, the Rockets trade him to Chicago to make room for Kenneth Reed. and they got all those I thought and teeth crossed and technicality taken care of. Chicago is apparently going to cut him, and the Lakers apparently have interest. What say you?
2: Uh, you know, my, my thing is, uh, Melo is not going to be able to fill the role that the Lakers need. And what the Lakers need to know is when superstar X comes next year, and you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm leaning toward Anthony Davis, but who's oh. going to be those pieces to fit around him and LeBron? And I, I just don't think you can have a ball stopper like Carbello on the floor. Uh, I mean, you saw that up front when he was trying to work with. The, the Rockets, we saw it last year with uh, the Thunder, you know, he can't take anybody off the dribble anymore. He, he, he's not going to be that that volume shooter that, that, you know, hold the ball, and, you know, uh, I give James Harden a lot of guff, but, you know, he's not just standing there <laughs> holding the ball, holding the ball, holding the ball. I mean, he dances with it with some dribbles and whatnot, but Carmelo was perfect for the late 90s. His game would have translated perfectly, but as the game moved away from that, that's just not in his skill set. So I would not want him to be on the Lakers. I know him and LeBron are friends, and I get that. I respect that, whatever. But I just don't want (laughs) Because right now with Rondo being in and out and Monzo being in and out of the lineup and LeBron being out, there's just too much fluctuation that I I just think there would be a, it would be detrimental to put him on the team. Yeah. That's that's how exactly I felt. And there
1: was, you know, Rockets fans going back and forth about it and, and I just wasn't with it. And now you kind of potentially might be going through the same thing, depending on what, Magic and Pavlinka do. I mean, it it might not come to pass, but maybe it will. We just have to see. And and now you kind of, (laughs) just the way you answered, with consternation, feeling the exact same way I felt for those ten games and the off season leading up to uh, Carmelo coming to Houston.
2: Yeah, I I just, I'm I'm not a fan. And I love Carmelo, and I think that his legacy, his career is kind of underrated just because he wasn't able to do it on the big stage. But he absolutely was a Mm -hmm. fantastic player. He was dynamic in Denver. And he was fantastic on the Olympic teams. I mean, I I believe he's the U.S.'s uh, all-time leading scorer in the Olympics. So, I, I, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, but it's still one of those mm-hmm. things where you're going to be like, man, has something broken differently? Would his, mm-hmm. would we think of him being, if for nothing else, he got Jim Beheim a championship, which goes mm-hmm. against everything I believe in. So, for that alone, <laughs> he should get, <laughs> he should get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well,
1: I was pulling like Beheim. Like the Dickens in '87, so you know, just for that, I was kind of glad to see him get it in '03. You know, now he's kind of crotchety, and I don't care for him. But in '87, you know, that Indiana game, I was I was shook when Smart hit that jumper, and I was feeling real bad for the Q's. Yeah.
2: Uh... Again, you know, not to knock on Jim Boeheim, but, you know, that Carmelo <laughs> team in 03, that was a that was a great team. Uh, you know, Jerry McNamara, I think, is underrated. So, you know, Syracuse, uh, Hakeem, oh, what was his name? Uh, Warwick. 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 <laughs> Hakeem Warwick. I, could, I was going to say Hakeem Nick That Warwick. was that receiver. You know, even though 03 yeah. should have been our, our shot, but whatever. Uh, but so Carmelo, his Warwick. career just – you know, great, but I just think he got caught as the NBA was transitioning from that ISO-Jordan-era ball to more of a fluid, you know, like your Rockets are doing, shooting 43 a game. Goodness gracious. Yeah. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But, you know, I'm not knocking that. That's just the way the league is going, and that's just not Carmelo's uh, strong suit. Great at the long two. Great, you know, to kind of bully his way to get in. Uh, to the lane, but just yeah. not something that can work in what we're doing. That's it.
1: We've had another fun two hours. Great stuff. Looking forward to Kansas on Saturday. Kentucky's putting together some nice wins Six State Auburn. Um, Rupp is going to have that, in fact, they're going to have that, you know, electricity that, we wish it would have more often. It will be there Saturday evening for the Jayhawks. Um, and Kentucky's playing well. And I like the chances of keeping it going. be a huge win to get against Kansas. You know, they are still uh, the better top-notch teams in the country. They're shorthanded and playing a little bit different. We'll um, so see what Reed and P.J. do and, and Nick and E.J. They can exploit that uh, and hopefully – you know, Hero and Higgins and, and Kelden and all those guys can keep it all going. Uh, hitting everybody from all angles and, and just that balanced attack because they continue to, to find their way. Uh, so we'll have fun talking about that next Wednesday. Uh, congrats to all the Baseball Hall of Famers. Appreciate Coach Bue and Coach Truck for coming on. Big Things Kentucky on YouTube. A lot of fun talking with those guys. All the Cowboys grief I got, it was fun. Um, have a good weekend. Stay warm. Appreciate everything you bring each and every week. And Even if it is all that Jerry Rice statistical information, that's still good stuff as well. Have fun talking about Jerry Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald um, and the type of foods we like and dislike. So we had all kinds of fun. And we once again wish Coach Hurt and the Lady Hornets uh, all the best. Friday and
2: all a classic too.
1: Absolutely.
2: Thanks everybody for listening. Thank man. you for thank you to our guests. Uh, another good show, man. Hey, thank you for everything, man. Stay warm. Have a
1: good week. Have a good weekend. If y'all missed us uh, this evening, catch us on replay, twelve on sports radio on demand, wherever you can find podcasts. Type in Cast Talk Wednesday. Subscribe and rate. Give us a little comment. We would definitely uh, love to hear from you. So appreciate y'all again. Take care, TV. We we'll see everybody next week on Cat Talk Wednesday, Brother Hardy Radio Network, BlogTalkRadio.com. See y'all next Wednesday.